Microphones of Madness is part of the Legends of Tabletop Network. <laughs> Y'all laugh at that every time. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Guy Smiley. Guy Smiley. It's Saturday night. It's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over here we have Steve. Hey. And we have Kim. Kim actually got her name tag to work. Yay! Yes! I have a name again. It's awesome. And tonight we have a very special guest, the, with a capital T-H-E, Jeffrey Thomas, creator of Punk Town and other fine works of weird fiction. Fine, fine author. Great guy. Thanks for coming aboard and Thank you. into our crazy house today. Thanks for so the big the big thing is that is visions from Punktown. Uh, there there's a Kickstarter going on. The link is in the description. It's also in the chat room to the right of the screen if you're watching live on YouTube. Uh, go and there's how many days are left, Jeff? There's five days left. Five days left. People are kind of on the fence about it. They they're get moving. Yeah, guys. Come yeah. On. yeah. It's to make this happen. Punk. It's Punk Town. It's comics. Fuck up. <laughs> Don't make me come after you. I'll turn you into a character, damn it. Yeah. That, that's uh, actually, you know. <laughs> that's a real threat. <laughs> For some people. Yeah, that's actually not a bad thing, Kim. Yeah. No, well, no, no. You, you were one to talk. I did awesome things with your character. Thumbs up, Gwen. Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. How, how come I don't get to read this stuff? Uh, I can send you what I've got. Okay. Cool. So, so actually, let's get back to Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. The Jeff Thomas. The. So, so I, I guess the the first question on my mind is, what? How did? How did? How did the genesis of from Punktown, the collections, novels, into a graphic novel. Okay, well, um, I, I, I'm friends with a, an artist, um, Eric York, who uh, he had illustrated one of my Punktown stories for a publication, an anthology. And so, um, and, and uh, Punktown, for anybody who might not know what it is, it's a setting that I've, I've worked in for many years. It's a far future city uh, on another world, colonized by Earth people and aliens and even extra-dimensional beings. And it's a city that's infamous for its level of crime. And I've written novels there and short stories and so forth. So um, Eric, the artist Eric York, told me that he, he knew somebody who was interested in uh, possibly... He talked to this person, and the person is, 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 is uh, Christopher Taylor. And he had told this person about Punktown, and uh, Chris had started reading about Punktown, and, and they thought it would be a good setting for a graphic novel, uh, that uh, that kind of a treatment. And uh, so we talked. I talked with Eric about it a little bit, and um, and uh, it's kind of, it sounds kind of crazy, but I'm I, I hate talking on the phone. I was kind of reluctant to to talk on the phone about the <laughs> as exciting as a concept as it is. It's kind of like oh, you may have to talk on the phone. So I kind of didn't pursue it as much as I should have. And anyway, Chris had other things going on at the time. Anyway, so later on, Eric came back to me again, and he said, uh, you know, Chris is still think thinking about this and still interested in it. And I was like, it's time over. Should I, 
we can't drop the ball this time. So uh, we started conversing through email, and uh, and it, things really started moving quickly after that. And Chris, Chris is um, he has not only been adapting the stories into scripts, uh, he's also you know bringing the whole project together, and he's behind the Kickstarter. Assemble a team of really cool artists, brilliant artists. Um, people like Rafa Garris, who's done covers for Marvel and DC, and uh, you know, people from different countries. So it's got, and they all have diverse styles, and they're all and they're all uh, fantastic. And so, um, like I said, he he has great organizational skills. Over the years, um, there've been a few other earlier attempts to turn punk town to a graphic novel. Some people approach me. Uh, but it, it, their intentions were good, but it just never got that far. So um, Chris has, has really um, worked hard to pull this all together and to, and to, to uh, get the Kickstarter going. And um, it's uh, you know it would be fantastic if, if it uh, if it makes its funding. It, it's a uh, it's a great project, and uh, it's very exciting for me to see. The work that has been done so far for it, mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it blows my mind to see things that I've been writing about for decades even being um, interpreted, and uh, it's exciting. Absolutely, some of the some of the, they've been posting some sample pages on the uh, Kickstarter Facebook page, mm. and uh, yeah, the artwork is incredible, and 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 yeah, I agree. That you know, it's it's really interesting seeing Punktown visualized in yeah. a certain way, mm -hmm. and because you know you read the stories yourself and you read your descriptions of Punktown and its residents and the things that go on, and you have your own mental picture, mm -hmm. and then you see somebody else's mental picture and you say, well, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of what I was imagining. Exactly. Sometimes, sometimes the the particularly in the sample pages that you're referring to. There's one that that's in a um, in an emergency ward in a hospital, mm -hmm. and, and the room is just bustling with all these aliens. The artist uh, Doug Nation tried to put as many of the Punktown aliens in the one scene as he could. And, <laughs> uh, and, uh, it's just blows my mind to see, to see this thing. And but some of the aliens are not quite as I envisioned them. But I but looking at them, I could see how they could be interpreted that way. And they're not wrong. They're just a little off from what I might have imagined, but that fills me with delight to see how somebody else can bring their... This is when it when it, does, it becomes less of a like a one-man show and more of a collaboration where he's this person is going to bring their influences in, their interpretation, their own imagination, and, and then it compounds with your own, and it's, uh, it, it becomes a really um, a whole different thing. It's, you know. And, and all the stories and visions are... Uh Adaptations of previous work that you've written, or yes, yeah, not the most. Uh, most of them, I guess, come from my short story collection, Punktown. But there's some other of my. I've had numerous Punktown books, and and uh, a, some a few of the stories come from other collections, uh, other than the original Punktown. Right. And there's eight stories, eight artists, and. Uh, and it was interesting. I, I even the stories that Chris picked to um, to adapt was interesting to me to see which ones resonated with him. Some of them are uh, my own particular favorite Punktown stories, and some 
are, are stories that I wouldn't have immediately thought of as, you know, but that's intriguing to me to see what, it, just as in sometimes when you read reviews and, 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 and um, or whether it be a, a professional review or an Amazon review, and people will pick out certain Punktown stories that are their favorites. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes it surprises me. You know, this one likes this one, that one likes that one. And sometimes a story that I feel is one of my least favorite Punktown stories, somebody will single it out as their favorite. So that's always interesting to see. And uh, I believe Kim has a personal stake in this since her absolute mm -hmm. favorite Punktown story <laughs> made it to the comic. Cool, yes. which one is that? And I'm actually told that that was the only one that the artist picked to do. Was the, that? Palace, the Palace of Nothingness. Oh, the Palace of Nothingness. Okay, yes. I thought you were going to say Reflections of Ghosts because you were talking about that in your, no, uh, no, no. your Amazon review, which I, I, I which I love. <laughs> oh yeah, thank you. That was great. Yeah. Palace of Nothingness. Yeah, Palace of Nothingness. That was awesome. I loved that one. I think that was China Mieville's favorite in the book. He had uh, mentioned that to me. That uh, that one in Wakazashi, he had said were his seemed to be the ones that he was the most impressed with. That one is yeah. my favorite. Is it really? That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's that's one of that's that's a fantastic story. Does it have anything to do with though with your own personal attraction to Asian culture and so forth? And the initially, yeah, but it's just a beautiful story. Oh, thank you. It's 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 beautiful. It's it's touching. Thanks. And and I actually teared up a little bit at the end of that one. Oh. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That that means you did your job. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that one, and then uh, I was reading Ghosts of Punk Town, and there was the uh, the Jeremy Stake story right at the beginning. Uh, in, in his sights. That's that's uh, that was going to be actually in in um, Visions from Punk Town, but the artist who was uh, attached to that one had to drop out. And so uh, Chris thought it would be easier anyway that, at that point, instead of trying to find another artist, to just keep stick with the eight. Very good. Now, now here's a question that I've had for a while. Is now, of course, Punktown is a recurring character. Is, is Jeremy the only like recurring character that you have? Or yeah, the thing with Punktown that I always like to stress for people who haven't read it is that. Uh, Almost every Punktown story has a, deals with a different protagonist and a different plot. It's not a series where you have to read, you know, in, in sequence. You can pick it up any, anywhere, read one Punktown book, one sh Punktown short story, and you won't be lost. The only uh, time I've deviated from that is with uh, the character of Jeremy Stake. He's a private eye. He's a mutant, so he's, he has this ability to, sh to shapeshift, to, to, to imitate how other people look, take on their appearance, and he uses that as a tool in his, in his work. Uh, he's the protagonist in Deadstock, a novel, Deadstock, the novel Blue War. He's in a novella called Red Cells, and he's in a couple of short stories. And he's the only Punktown character that I've reused to any great degree. There's been a couple of, you know, there, there's one character named John Bell who mm -hmm. is in the, uh, uh, a Punktown story called The Bones of the Old Ones, which employs Lovecraftian uh, elements. Right. And I wrote two sequels to that, but the sequels don't take place in Punktown. They take place in that universe, but one takes place on Earth and one takes place on another world that has also been colonized by Earth people. And John Bell also has a cameo appearance in a short story of mine called The Hate Machines. Um, other than that, you may just hear about 
like uh, I have one of the main characters in my novel, Everybody Scream, is a, is a singer named Del Khan. And you might hear in another punk town story, somebody will talk about a Del Khan song. You'll, you'll see some Del Khan lyrics. That's the extent of it. Just for the, a sense of consistency in that world, I might mention somebody else. Right, right. The only ongoing, the only re re recurrent punk town character protagonist is Jeremy State. Now, now speaking of, speaking of Del Khan and, and these little touches, that's that's one of the things I remember vividly from the first collection is. A story later in the book, you'll pat. They'll. It'd be almost like if it was a movie. It would be a panning scene as the characters walking by, and you'll see the events from one of the earlier stories taking place in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. So, so that, like, yeah, every really, story uh, touches on something from the last one. Yeah. And, and the thing is, um, the original in the original Punktown collection by Ministry of Whimsy Press. Uh, published uh, by Jeff Vandermeer, Jeff Vandermeer's Ministry of Whimsy Press. There were nine stories in that collection, and they didn't have that those little connectives, those little teases, those little cameo shots of people in the background from a, the previous story. So um, when Prime Books wanted to do an uh, expanded edition of Punk Town, and I, and I put nine more stories in there, well, eight stories in a poem, that was when I decided to... to, to Put those little connective tissues in there to kind of give Punktown that sense that, yeah, th this story is taking place here, and this other story is taking place around the corner at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that was something I did to to make that book a little bit more unique, uh, give people something extra beyond the uh, the original collection. And, that was one of, the, one of the things that I wanted to know about was that if you know ahead of time what your little reference is going to be, or if you if it occurs as you go. Yeah, see that was the thing that, that those stories had all been written, in, and so when I went, what I just when I decided to do that, I went in and I thought I went through the whole book and how can I tie this one to that one just just briefly, just in one line, you know, and and it was so it wasn't something that I did while I was writing the stories; it was done afterwards and. Quite a while afterwards, for uh, most of those stories, and sometimes I regret doing that. You know, um, be, uh, well, not not regret it, but um, if I am to have one of those stories appear somewhere else, reprinted in an anthology, suddenly that reference to the character in the previous story might not it might be, be confusing. I might be tempted to take that out, and also um, in two thousand seventeen. Centipede Press is going to do a big Punktown omnibus, collecting most, if not all, of the Punktown short stories, and there'll be some new material too, hopefully. Um, the stories in that may not appear in the same sequence they were in um, the original Punktown collection, so it's not going to make so much sense now. It, it won't make, it won't have the same sense of like the story type one, something in story one ties into story two, something from story two ties into story three. So what I'll probably do at that point, I, I intend to edit that whole book, go through and proofread and polish the whole thing. But I, I, I'm feeling very strongly that I will remove those connective pieces that will, will never not be relevant anymore in the same sense in that context, you know, that, that sequence of stories. Well, I know that when I was reading Punktown, once I realized that that was happening, 
I, it almost turned into a game. Yeah. You read the through spot. the story and see where's the where's the the reference. Ah. It was fun. Well, it also gives you a sense of geography. Yeah. Yeah, it was like okay, this this story takes place over in this part of town and it ends over here. This story takes place and they cross paths here. Yes. And and you kind of just get this, a mental image of the the layout of Plum Town. And mm -hmm. you know where you don't want to be, which is pretty much everywhere. <laughs> pretty much everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the rich people sector or something. Other than that, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like Gotham City in space. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's more organized than Gotham City ever was. That's true. The the, the forcers are pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, I meant geography wise. <laughs> you have a clear idea of what's going on with this as opposed to Gotham City, which just add sections as it's needed. Well, that's that, actually, actually, it is more of the way I've done it. I, I don't have a clear sense of Punkdown's geography. I've kind of built upon it, and I, over time, I might not know where this part, though, is in relation to that part. And as, as I go along, if I want to add a particular neighborhood or slum or district or whatever, I do keep adding to it, but I but part of my rationale for that is that Punktown has been growing from the onset. It's just, it, it keeps growing and growing as more people come in, so it's it's kind of mutable. And that, um, that happens in real life too. Cities expand, you know. Sure, sure. And I, I, I wasn't able to explore this part before, and but I do try to maintain as much consistency as I can, though. Yeah. And. Uh, and it's funny though. There's a there's a role playing game for Punktown uh, being prepared. It, that was also a Kickstarter that was successfully funded, and it's at the at the stage now where just the artwork needs to be completed. And um, there's a map that's being created for Punktown. There's at least one map. There might be more. And I've never conceived of Punktown in terms of in, in those terms. The it, the maps being uh, done. Uh, by the um, the book's um, art art designer uh, Stephanie uh, McCallia, and it's um, the map is really cool. And and uh, in the future, who knows? Maybe I'll be referring to the map <laughs> when I write my stories. You know, to get a to get a big copy of it to hang up on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. actually give me a little bit more structure. It's kind of like when when I when I wrote my novel Blue War. Mm -hmm. The uh, the artwork was completed before the book was finished, and uh, the the um, it was it's just a beautiful painting. It has this kind of bridge that's connecting some some buildings, and so I was able to work that image of the of that bridge into the story. You know, it, it, it's kind of it's kind of backwards. It was fun. Yeah, it's, it's it's nice. It's nice when you can when you can play off of it like that. Yeah, and you have you have yeah. a you have an image, and you go, you know what? I love that bridge. I'm gonna have to set something on that bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I so I uh, incorporated that into the, into the story, which is kind of cool. Excellent, excellent. Now, now speaking of the role playing game, I wanted to ask you about that anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any type of release date on that? Not, not that I've heard of yet. It uh, it was the, the project was begun by Miskatonic River Press, and uh, but they they've closed down. And the, the, this game was was um, handed off to an outfit called Chronicle City, uh, which I believe is in, in the UK. And uh, 
So it's still, it's still, like I say, it's still in the works, but I don't, I don't have any idea of a release date. I hope it will be soon. That'd be nice because we'd like to play test it on our ship. Oh. <laughs> I would love to hear your reaction to it. I, I don't play... I don't well, you could game master it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would be the greatest experience ever. I, I would love to, you know... I don't Like I said, I don't, I don't know how to play do role-playing games. I've never gotten into it. It's, it's something that I know I would enjoy, but I just haven't taken the opportunity to... to so I would love to... to uh, to be to learn how to play this game myself, you know, so I could experience it the way that other people will be. I'd feel kind of funny if I got left out of that experience. Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, Jeff should be a player in that game. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think Jeff has earned the right to be whatever he wants to be in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as it is with my stories, I'm kind of the game master and the player at the same time. That's right. Sure. But yeah. see, the the problem you would have is metagaming because you know you know this city better than anybody else. <laughs> mm, true. So it's like it's it's the blue bullets. <laughs> <laughs> the blue plasma, not the green plasma. Yeah. Um, so if if the Kickstarter for Visions of Punktown gets gets its funding, um, have they announced any general idea when we might start seeing that? Uh, are we going to be seeing it on at our low, friendly neighborhood comic store, or are we going to have to special order it? Uh, um, what are, do you know the plans for that? Yeah, I'm not sure what the distribution for it would be. Um, Originally, it was going to be a digital uh, book, and then, and then Chris decided that you know he really wanted to see this as a physical, you know, physical book, a physical entity. And so, um, but I'm not sure uh, how it would be distributed. I, I imagine that he would uh, try to get it picked up by comic book stores and and and, and, the, and the like. Mm. Well, maybe as it comes closer to time to publish, maybe we should uh, do a push to talk to our local comic book stores yeah. for anybody who's watching and mm -hmm. say, hey, get this book in here. Sure. And I was thinking, too, to even do like an uh, offer to do like a book signings at so stores that are within my you know area. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so we are we are in the home stretch of the broadcast. Um, one more time, the Kickstarter has five days left. The link is in the description below. Make it uh, happen. This video. Make it happen, people. Now, before we run out of time, there was something I wanted to ask you, Jeffrey. Now, mm -hmm. before we started the broadcast, we were talking about your son, Colin. Yes. Now, one of the stories in Punktown Faced has a dedication to Colin. Yeah. Would you mind telling us about that? Yes, that story is faced. It's that story and another story I wrote, uh, not a punk story, but a story called John Sadness. Uh, those two stories I wrote at the, t at the time when we found that my son was autistic. He was uh, four years old. And it was, it was a hard thing to assimilate. And me being um, a writer... I, I absorb life's experiences. I sometimes have to filter that, my feelings and so forth. I have to filter it through an artistic lens. And um, 
it was, like I said, it was a it was a hard thing to to learn, and so I wrote these two stories. In both in both stories, it are about a child who is kind of a monster. They're phys physical phys physically deformed. This, and I don't see my son as deformed or even faulty, but it was it's it, it, it's a metaphor, you know, to to show that a child who is other and how the parents in these two stories dealt with that uh, having a child who was other and uh, how it how much they loved their children but how it, the, the, they felt pained by their child's um, vulnerability in the world and so I think writing those stories helped me to assimilate that to, to, to absorb and acclimate to, to the diagnosis uh, that my son was autistic. And, yeah, face uh, was one of those that made me cry. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> both. both are okay. Both are okay. That's that's you doing your Once job. Again, that's you doing yeah. your job. That's right. Yeah. So and, I, I try to bring a personal element to my work. I, I I try to be more. I have to. I I feel like if I put and have a personal investment there, then that will connect to somebody. They'll be able to feel it that 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 wasn't something I was just faking or just a bit of hack work or whatever. That's good. Terrific story. Now I believe Steve had a question. He's, I do he's been have, quiet more than most of the show. Um. So. Um. I, I basically just wanted to know how you felt about the WFA bus dust up thing. The, the what? The World Fantasy Award. Oh, jeez. I've, I've been tempted to post about it on Facebook, but I, I have friends on both sides of this, and I haven't wanted to offend anybody, but since you asked me, I've got to give you my honest answer. They're probably not listening, so you're all right. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, since you put me on the spot, I, I, um, I don't have any problem at all with the award being changed. I uh, Lovecraft is my favorite horror writer, and I and he's likely to remain so. And I actually feel that the people who are getting really worked up about it, the, uh, the word being changed, they're afraid that this is kind of a this is a people um, rejecting Lovecraft. But I, what my fear is, and my investment is, is that I love Lovecraft's work, um, aside from the obvious, you know, troublesome uh, racist. Content that that occurs in it. Um, my fear is that these people are going to cause people to reject Lovecraft just because they're going to. It's going to polarize them to the point where they're going to have an association that with Lovecraft is loved by racists. The people who are defending his defending his every feeling, his every expression. Um, the more they try to defend Lovecraft, I think the more they're going to make people. Uh, turn people off to Lovecraft, where they're going to associate Lovecraft's name more with racism. I think if they would gracefully understand why the award was changed, um, then things would calm down and Lovecraft would continue to be respected uh, for for what he did contribute to you know fantastic fiction. I'm just afraid that this is going to that the, what's going to harm Lovecraft's reputation more so than his 
his uh, racist comments is is going to be the people who are defending him to the to the extent that it appears as if they're they're defending him, making excusing his his uh, the, the 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 negative aspects of his work. So I'm concerned for Lovecraft uh, being impacted. You know, I, I Lovecraft. Uh, people are afraid to read them later because oh, they're going to associate Lovecraft with with racism because instead of it being understand as a flaw, it's like you know, um, Anne Sexton is is one of my favorite poets, but she was a troubled person, mentally ill, and and was uh, there were some incestuous uh, occurrences between her and her daughter, you know. You, you you accept that you don't well you know what I mean you don't accept it right. but you understand that he was mentally ill you're not gonna you're not gonna well uh, you know uh, pedophilia and incest were were you know it, it was she was a woman of her times you know you're not gonna make excuses for for these behaviors right you know you're gonna say this person was a troubled person they were flawed we're all flawed this is where their flaws lie let's not make excuses let's you know and uh, the, the the people who are suggesting that if people have a problem with receiving Lovecraft's award, well, they don't have to accept it or they don't have to allow their work to be considered. That's ridiculous. How ridiculous is that? Yeah, well, it's the World Fantasy Awards. Of course you want to <laughs> be acknowledged. Yeah, I'm not going to say, well, I, I won the award, but I'm not going to accept it. You know, I should be able to accept it no matter what my color is. I shouldn't right. have to, you know. So, come on. It's... it's I. I, I, I'm a, a great fan of Lovecraft and always will be, but it doesn't uh, trouble me that the award that the award has been changed. I I, I agree with you. Um, Rodney actually has said that this whole thing is putting Lovecraft and the award itself in front of the people who are actually winning the award, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to you know you're being honored. Yeah. <laughs> But it almost seems like now that um, the award is being honored instead of the people. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 funny. It's like is the whose whose feelings are are, are going to be hurt here? Are we worried about Lovecraft's feelings, or are we worried about people who who uh, like you know my daughter is is, is half Asian. You know, we it, it, would Lovecraft see her as being as a, of a mixed race? Would he? Would he? I'm sure he'd have his feelings about that, and they wouldn't be pretty. No. You know, I. Uh, but I'm still able to enjoy the, the bulk of what he wrote because it, it, the fantastical parts of it. If he talks about the yellow hordes or whatever, uh, that's offensive to me. Right. You know, the father of a child who's half Asian, but um, and so. I can understand why somebody, an Asian person, or or or, or, or would, would somebody else would be would be like uncomfortable receiving this award. It's just maybe not appropriate for them, and um, I can understand that. I, it doesn't it doesn't mean that people are going to start burning piles of Lovecraft's books. So let's move on. I just All wanted right. to say that uh, Lehman Kessler, mm -hmm. who plays Lovecraft, is yes. Um, Following us on the chat, and he wanted your award if you were going to win one. Um, <laughs> and he's he wanted to give it back, but 
But since uh, because he's got dibs, <laughs> right? But since uh, you you are in agreement with him, he said great response. Oh, Fan, good. Okay. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So There's no at least one Lovecraft is supporting you. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The man himself. Well, well too, I'm 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 sure PH supports him as well. That's true. Well, and uh, if you have a World Fantasy Award that you're willing to come off of, you can mail them to Lehman Kessler, <laughs> care of Ask Lovecraft. Yeah. And we will even put a piece of masking tape over the, the plaque and kind of write in the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just put Lehman Kessler... Etch that off with, with acid. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and that about does it for our time. So we have to do our quick announcements at the end. First off, thank you, Jeffrey, for coming out. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Fantastic guy. We're we're so happy to have had you come on. When the game comes on, you will join us again to play the game. Awesome. That's right. We will find you as soon as we get our hands on that. Cool, cool. I'm eager to be taught how to play so I can know what this is going to be like. I believe I believe um, the Punk Town RPG uses Call of Cthulhu rules. Oh, yeah. we're very yeah. familiar with that. All right. <laughs> Call of Cthulhu. Um, that? Call of Cthulhu. Never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we also just we 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 opened up a blog to supplement the show this week. Uh, you can go to microphonesofmadness.wordpress.com. Uh, check out the articles that we've got posted up. Uh, Steve has done a review of Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition. Uh, Kim, exactly. Kim was kind enough to do a review of Casilda's Song. Cool. Joe, Spoiler, it's a great book. Joe. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Um, also, let's see, Monday night we are doing our Masks of Nihilithotep run on Monday Night Heroes. Friday at 9 o'clock Eastern Time will be Friday Fun Guy with James and Kim and Lily. Lily, Lily and Leah. Leah. And Leah and, and Rollick. Pete Rollick. <laughs> Pete Rollick. <laughs> Don't ask me how we got Pete involved in all this. <laughs> James, James has pictures from what I understand. Come <laughs> <laughs> So, and I believe next week on the Saturday Night Show, we will be discussing, uh, we will start a discussion of Key Conga, a new anthology of Sword and Soul by... Uh, well, it's not new, but yeah. Uh, new-ish. New to me. Okay. There you new go. Me too. Um, we'll start, we'll discuss the first that. story on the book. Milton Davis. Uh, Milton Davis is the editor of that, of that anthology. And so, thanks everybody for watching. And we'll see you guys next week. There we go. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, Check us out on Facebook. Links are in the description. There's a button on the YouTube page. Check it out. Uh, If you go to the Legends of Tabletop website, we have a forum. Absolutely. Yes. And most importantly, since we have Jeff still on the air, buy all of Jeffrey Thomas's books. Yes. The Jeffrey Thomas. And buy them before he puts this new anthology together because you're going to miss some. That's right. Miss mm-hmm. So buy them now. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes All like right. So say goodnight, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Good night, everybody. Thank you again for having me. Uh, no problem at all. Mm-hmm.